very warm welcome to you all. Glad you could join us for this episode three of the Football Attic podcast. My name's Chris Oakley. And my name's Rich. Sorry, there's a bit oh. of a satellite delay there, Chris, because obviously you're yeah. in New Zealand now. <laughs> I thought you'd nodded off. No, uh, no, yes. Although, of course, what time is it? It's, it's what, 20 to 4 in the morning? Yeah, with you. Yeah, it's more for you. Yeah. This is. I have to explain, listeners, just before we crack on with the actual agenda. Uh, this is kind of odd because we're recording this for me uh, in New Zealand, as I now am. Um, it's what twenty to five on on New Year's Eve, in twenty five in the afternoon. But Rich is up at some unearthly morn- uh, hour of the morning back in the UK, for which I hope you're all you know very grateful for his sacrifice. Yeah, you better be, because because yeah. otherwise I'll cry because I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> We'll try and keep this as uh, short and painless uh, for you and indeed the listeners as we can. Um, anyway, yes, but before we start, I should offer an apology um, because it's been, what, four months, I think, since the last couple of podcasts. Something like um, that. Something like that. And so, sorry, um, I do have the excuse of relocating from London to New Zealand. It won't happen again. Uh, so uh, don't worry. Hopefully these uh, podcasts will be uh, coming to you a little more regularly in future. But anyway, it is good to be back and uh, good to say to you, Rich, how are you? How's things over there in Blighty? Apart from the insomnia, I'm fine, yeah. Um, no, it's very good here. It's uh, It's been a really sort of Christmas. It's uh, it's, n- it's not been that exciting, really, but, you know, I'm I'm 37. It's, it's not the same appeal anymore, really. Although I did get I did get some new football kits, so, you know, might, might talk about that in a bit. Well, it may be, yes. I, I thought you were going to say you got, you know, a matchbox race and chase or something like that in your, in your stocking, some, some retro present from years gone I, by. But... I, I did have that when I was about nine, and it was great. Yeah, it was too. a glow-in-the-dark one as well. Ooh, there's a novelty. Excellent. I had the one where you tapped the button on the top, and it did a U-turn in the middle of the road. Oh, I like See? that one. I, I, I yeah. had that in the matchbox catalogue, but I never got that. I, ne- I never found a shop with it in. <laughs> Not even a shop that sold it. Oh, no, it was. I was denied that pleasure. It's because you were in well, that there London, wasn't it? With all its fancy right, yes. shops and its fancy choice of produce. <laughs> London swinging London, yes. Uh, yes, and, and so for that reason you will always bow before me. Anyway. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> uh, dear. Anyway, it's, it's it's my turn to handle the presenting duties uh, this time around, and uh, so I have the undoubted pleasure of pitching the first question to you, Rich. Um, and it's this because we are sorry, I forgot to tell you. <laughs> this has been you can tell how long it's been. I've forgotten the, all the running order. We're talking this week about football kit design, retro football kit design. So there we go. I should have said that right at the beginning. But anyway, um, first question to you then, Rich. Um, what was the first standout football kit design that you can remember seeing? As a child, or if you can't remember it, I will allow you to estimate which one you think you might have seen first. Well, that's that is a very good question. There, there are there are probably several actually. I think the first probable actual football kit design that I ever really remember seeing, I think it was probably the uh, probably the Coventry Talbot one with the big mm-hmm. T across the front. Uh. I wasn't actually I wasn't really into football at all at the time. Um, but I just remember seeing it. I think quite a few of the kids at school had it. So I think that's the first time I ever remember sort of seeing one. But when I was actually, when I first got into football, um, obviously the Denmark kit at the 86 World Cup was... was Ding, first reference. Yeah, hey, it's, it's football kit bingo. Um, so so that was a good one. But I, I don't think it really affected me that much at the time. I, I just It was all very new to me. I think the first one that really stood out was probably um, Holland's uh, um, the Euro 88. Yeah. Because um, of the, the, the lovely design that it was. Um mm-hmm. 
I think most of the other sort of kits around that sort of time, sort of uh, mid eighties, were kind of fairly staid affairs. Um, yeah. with the kind of, you know, traditional V-neck and, you know, a bit of shadow patterning, something like that, mm-hmm. and that was about it. And then all of a sudden, that came along, and it was just like, what the hell is that, you know? Yeah. And my, my friend at school actually had one, um, so I got to see it up close, and it was it was, it was was a work of art. Obviously, it's now, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's now become a classic, but... Um, at the time, it was it was just like nothing else I'd, I'd ever seen, and of course that that really sort of kickstarted the kind of insane designs that were to come later in football kit design in the kind of late eighties, early nineties. Yes, yes, of course, yeah, yes, that was a particularly nice one. I, I remember when Euro eighty eight started and sort of turning the TV on, and then sort of uh, Holland's first game and thinking. What on earth is that? Like, in a good way, I mean, not in a bad way. And uh, and when the camera got a close up, I just thought, wow, that's just that's just the best thing ever. So, uh, and of course, as we we've we discussed it on the uh, the football attic blog side, of course, and talking about other teams that had that. And I know you you own several shirts in the various different colourways, as I believe the term is. I do, I do yes, tragically, yeah. Although not <laughs> not ironically, Holland. I don't have that one mainly because whenever they go up on um, eBay, they're they're extortionately priced. Mm. Although it does bring out the real kit nerd in me because I start looking at that and go, that's not right. The badge isn't right on that one. The neck's not right. Where's the orange piping on the neck? Get it right, you know. And people going, "Oh, this is a, a genuine shirt." And you go, "It's not." And the amount of times that I feel like just sending them a message, going, "That's not real. You're lying." <laughs> but then I kind of remember that I'm not insane. <laughs> I was just going to say, if you've uh, actually tried to sell a, a Holland shirt on eBay and you had someone leaving abusive messages, uh, I'm pleased to say that we now have identified the culprit. Yeah, you deserved it, you liar. <laughs> <laughs> Shame on you! Exactly. <laughs> Excuse me. So the tour, yeah, nothing pleases me more actually than the the thought of lots of different school kids all wandering around in that Coventry Talbot kit. That that's just that's a lovely thing. Exactly, kids as advertising boards. It's brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> I was just well, indeed. I was just thinking actually the other day. I mean, because that is the only. I think we'll probably be coming on to the the, the Talbot kit shortly, as a matter of fact. But um, I was just thinking. Because it's the only occasion, really, when you've ever seen a a, a company's logo um, just writ large across the entire kit. I was thinking, what would happen? What would other company logos look like? Because it's 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 one of those lovely fantasy moments, sort of thing you can think about if you're having trouble getting off to sleep, Rich. Um, I mean, (laughs) I'm just (laughs) I'm just thinking. I can't think of any uh, examples off the top of my head, but um, you know, just the the T of of Talbot was kind of made for that. For, for a football kit, uh, if you take the circle away at least, and um, so um, yeah, it's just um, it's one of those interesting things. At least in my silly, I, sp- I suppose you could have uh, you could in the same vein you could have like a giant McDonald's where each arch could go over a nipple or something. You know, <laughs> you can probably get that in certain shops in London. Actually, you'd know, Chris. <laughs> yes, <clears throat> believe me, I've looked for it. <laughs> oh dear, um, yeah, um, I think my my first kit that I remember uh, this is going to seem a bit strange being a, a West Ham fan as probably most people know by now of me um, and having been born and brought up in, in North East London uh, the first kit that really hit me in any way was um, it was the Norwich City kit of 1981 1981 to 1983 or 4 I think they wore it into. it was basically the one uh, an Adidas kit with uh, pinstripes and 1981 was the year when <clears throat> excuse me pinstripes really emerged on the on the scene and it was i've always associated it with it being um an adidas invention i'm not sure because i know in fact pretty much every other manufacturer at some point had a go at doing pinstripes but um anyway 
Um, if you think about it, 1981, so the, we'd only just got rid of the 70s, and, and in the context of the 70s, all those kits, uh, which we're going to probably mention in a moment, were all, all well and good in the context of the 70s. But when you got into the 80s, it was almost like they instantly became very old-fashioned looking and so all the shiny silky fabric came in I think again Adidas were a big proponent of that and then so if you add that and the colours of Norwich yellow and green which are very rarely even now very rarely seen by any team in the football league at least um, plus you got, you got the shiny fabric the, the pinstripe the colours it just it was like the height of sophistication to me that when that kit came out I just there was something about it I just thought that is an amazing looking football kit but what rather worryingly I did actually ask my parents if I could have it as a birthday present <laughs> uh, dear. I wish I could just see the look on their face now I mean I, I'm actually rather embarrassed to admit all that because it's got to be a worry isn't it for, for parents when when your child said that they want a football kit for a team that's like you know two hour drive away or, or further um as, I, as was the case um and but to be fair and and to give them their credit they actually um uh kind of played their trump card in sort of saying well okay if you want to act so strangely then we'll take you to the 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 local sports shop and we'll go and we'll see if we can buy this kit then that you're asking for i mean my mum and dad didn't know a lot about football they didn't really follow football very much but i think even they knew that there was very little chance of getting a norwich city football kit they were calling your bluff weren't they Exactly. That's exactly what they were doing. Um, I can. I vaguely remember. I'd have only been about ten or something at the time, and I remember standing in this shop. It was Rose. I think they called it Rose Sports Goods in Barking in Essex, where I grew up. Um, and standing in front of the counter and hanging above the counter, they used to have a few different shirts hanging up of different kits. Um, and I mean, I'm thinking probably this is the case even now, let alone years ago. If you was to go into a little small independent sports shop anywhere in the UK, they probably only have a few kits in stock, right? So a few of them would be like local teams and a few of them would be the big teams. And so it was for me in North East London, they'd have had maybe the, I don't know, the Arsenal kit and the Tottenham kit. And then the two big teams at the time was probably, I don't know, Liverpool and Man U. So they'd have had those, but nothing else. So you can imagine the look on the shopkeeper's face when I was prodded forward by my mum to sort of say, well, tell him what you want then. And I sort of said, have you got the Norwich City kit in stock? Uh, I mean, it just... <laughs> after he got up from the floor laughing um I, I, just, I probably would have had more more luck going into a shop in mozambique and saying don't suppose you have the kid of mr harry as a way strip by any chance do you? um funny you should say that i did that exact thing once <laughs> you went to mozambique i did and asked for the kid of mr harry as a way shirt and? and and they had it yeah uh, but but they <laughs> also had so. a 1981 norwich shirt as well <laughs> oh you I'd just like, i just like to point out i might have made that up for, for anyone that for anyone that's incredibly slow, <laughs> oh dear. As it is, um, when I went into that shop, I think the guy sort of said, uh, "Well, we haven't got the Norwich kit, but um, do, is there any other kits you might want?" And I mean, it was just inconceivable to me in my naivety that they wouldn't have that kit. But thinking quickly on my feet, I sort of, um, I think I then went for the Liverpool kit at the time, which was also pinstripes, the uh, the crown paints kit, as I always call it. And um, <clears throat> excuse me, I ended up um, owning that. Very nice it was too. But um, but it was the Norwich kit really that was the real standout one for me. Well, the uh, I was, was going to say it's funny you should say that about going to the sports shops and uh, and sort of trying to actually procure the more obscure ones. Well. Mm-hmm. 
living in Coventry, as I've actually written about on the blog, and I think what well, I think was my second post ever about buying my first ever Cov kit, was oh, yeah. I, we had the sort of almost the opposite in that you would go into our local sports shops, and and again they would sell all the kind of the Liverpool, the Man U, the Arsenal, mm-hmm. and I think they had Everton as well, and yeah. the England kit. Um, but our local sports shop, which I think was Intersport, um, mm-hmm. Davies, I think it was called, um, they didn't sell the Cov kit. It was like I, wow. I, I just I just didn't understand this. I mean, obviously in that there London, it's different, you know, because they're obviously going to cater for all you cosmopolitan types. But <laughs> but here in provincial Coventry in the 1960s concrete precinct, um, they they didn't have it, and I was I was really surprised. I just couldn't understand. It's like, but I mean, I could understand obviously now why they had Liverpool and 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 Arsenal and everyone, but hmm. to not even sell the home team's kit was just bizarre so mm. the only place you could actually buy it from was Highfield Road which sure. was a strange place at the time I mean I'd never been there um, and I was I'd say uh, my mum and dad drove me there um, <laughs> I remember it was being a foggy morning um, in <laughs> sort of early February and it's very bizarre because obviously now all these places all have like um, you know mega stores and things like that yeah, and this was literally yeah. just a sort of it was like an old style chip shop it was like you know a counter <laughs> With things behind the counter pinned up on the wall, you know, <laughs> like open all hours. <laughs> it was literally like that. Yeah, I, I did ask for fork handles as well, but, <laughs> but they, uh, they just looked yeah. at me strangely. Um, so it, it is, it is very strange um, to think that in those days you wouldn't even be able to buy the home team. Mind you, that said, I say that, but if you go into any sports shop in Coventry now, you also can't buy the Coventry kit. But that's <laughs> oh, mainly really? because it's only sold through the uh, the club shop. Oh, okay. So just keeping out the riffraff, are they? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Keeping them at the Rico. Well, for, <laughs> as, for as long as we've got the Rico, that is. Bit of, oh. bit of topical news there. Oh yes, indeed, indeed. Um, oh, that's. Well, I just find that very strange, really. That um, you know, you'd think they'd want to kind of make their kit available um, as far and wide as possible. But um, hey, what do I know? Indeed. Um, Mind you, it was, it was manufactured by Triple S Sports, so it wasn't exactly like um, you know a, a quality made. Although that said, the year before it was made by Umbro, and of course the yes. following year we had the Hummel one. So you know we we were up there at the time. Once we won <laughs> yeah, the cup, <laughs> yeah, suddenly became kind of like you know the desirable product that everybody wanted to be associated with. Yes. Uh, anyway, well there we go. Um, I think probably what we will do now is sort of take a, a slow amble down the um, the timeline of. Football kit design. We're obviously not going to be able to cover everything uh, in this uh, 40, 45 minute podcast or whatever, but we'll kind of um, skim over the top. We'll pick out the bits that we, we can and uh, maybe save the other stuff for another podcast uh, sometime in the future. But um, I guess, Rich, I mean, it's, it's the 1970s really where, the, where football kit design kind of came into its own because, you know, in the 60s, uh, you'd have been lucky if you'd have found a, a kit with like a stripe going down the side of the shorts or something like that. I mean, it was kind of pretty basic stuff pretty functional but the 70s came along and it all changed and I, I think it would be fair to say I'm wondering if you agree really whether uh, it, it was basically Admiral that kind of took the ball by the horns and really shook everything up and, and brought a real kind of sense of modernity to football kit designs is that something you would agree with I think I would yeah I think it was uh, it was their sense of marketing as well that really mm. kind of um, took things in, in a new direction because I think up until that point we're, we're I'm sure Admiral were the first people to sign an exclusive deal with with England, weren't they? That's right. Don Revy, yes. He engineered all that. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. I think they were the first sort of company really to sort of realise there was a market for replica kits and and for actually, you know, that kits themselves were, 
you know something more than just what the team happened to wear you know they mm. were they were an article in in themselves um and that, but the funny thing with admiral is that to me when i got into football obviously admiral had pretty much disappeared by that point and yes. and i never liked that england 82 kit the one that everyone <laughs> else seems to really like to me it was horrible so to me when i got into it admiral were like this sort of cheap company and I had no idea of the significance of, of the groundwork that they laid for everyone else to take over, really. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I'll just uh, excuse me a moment. I just need to cross something off my list. It's a section marked Favourite England Kit. Right, uh, <laughs> uh, um, no, it, yeah, I mean, um, it's like I was born in 71, and so by the time I, I knew what on earth was going on in the world around me, it was all, it was just the turn of the 80s end, so I can't say I actually remember much about the 70s per se I probably kind of absorbed a lot of it without realizing it but um but yeah I mean you've obviously you've only got to look back at some of these old kind of sticker books and you know annuals and books and things and you just Admiral was just everywhere and and it kind of did begin I think really with with the England kit deal um and um just just having a couple of simple stripes going down the side of the sleeves of the shirt or the shorts was kind of something a bit bit racier and of course they did change the the color of the 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 blue that was used for the england kit as well which i I don't think was universally liked um it went to a much brighter blue um under under admiral but aside from that of course they then went on very quickly from those kind of fairly primitive days of the mid-70s and then you get into the uh, the second half of the seventies, and then we find ourselves in tramlines heaven. And this is something I'm sure you know a lot about being a Coventry City fan. I mean, that Coventry City, Coventry City kit was, without doubt, one of the one of the best ones probably there's ever been. And I, you know, I, I say that just as a somebody who, who just likes football kit design. I mean, what's your view on that? Is that one of your favourites, or does it maybe something that looks a bit too old fashioned for you? Or what's your view on the old Coventry tramlines design? I think at the time, I again, I didn't like it because it, yeah. it kind of, it to me looked really old-fashioned. Because I remember kids yeah. at school wearing it, and it was made. I mean, like the replicas were made of this really kind of scratchy material. It looked, <laughs> and it's because it obviously had a collar as well, so it just looked really outdated by the sort of mm. mid eighties. But looking back at it now, I actually think it, it is definitely one of the best Coventry kits we've ever had, and yeah. I, I'm really surprised that it's never been replicated in, in any sort of way at all. Um, because it's like you look I mean the amount of kits that we've you know that go back in history and and you get retro sort of kits I mean like last year in the FA Cup we had a replica of the 87 kit which Mm -hmm. um, just to digress slightly you know is is I bought a player version of that off eBay a while ago and Mm -hmm. that's the most expensive ridiculously expensive kit I've ever bought (laughs) Um, but I think I figured because we only we, we 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 intended to play in it in every round that we were in, and we got knocked out in the third round. So that was it. It was a, it was only ever one in one match, and I thought, well, that's brilliant then, because at least it'll be really unique. Only yes. then, I then found out that we're apparently planning to wear it against Tottenham this mm, year. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not happy with that. You know, <laughs> there bangos the exclusivity of the thing. Exactly. But um, going back to it, yeah, with the amount of retro kits. I mean, the season before last, sorry, last season, that year it was, um, we had um, a. a a retro one Coventry did like the sort of replicating the first ever Sky Blues sort of kit we had from 50 years ago and it looked really nice Um, but again I'm just really surprised that I mean obviously they're never going to replicate the Talbot one unless you know someone resurrects (laughs) the company for some reason but the tram (laughs) the tram lines one was such an iconic one and and obviously it got used a lot by the people I'm just really surprised it's never been replicated I, I, I don't know maybe it's because obviously Admiral aren't around to do it themselves but 
there's mm. been several other recent designs. I mean, if you look at Adidas in the 2010 World Cup with Argentina, clearly ripping off mm. the 86 World Cup kit, <laughs> and that yeah. was a Lecoq Sportif one. So it's, you know, mm. there's there's clearly room for ripping off other people's old designs. <laughs> um, I mean, hey, I did it when I submitted <laughs> my design kits that got put in the Cov City program which I just thought I'd plug there. <laughs> and congratulations on that. Yes. Indeed. <laughs> I mean, the, the, that tram line's design, I mean, we're going to talk about kit tem, uh, sorry, template kits, rather, uh, in due course, but um, that was one of the early examples. And um, so not only Coventry wore that, that design, but also I think Dundee had it in a fetching shade of navy blue up in Scotland at the time. And also uh, Wales had a, uh, one of those as well in red, yellow and green, which was um, also very uh, different. But I think that's what I like about Admiral's designs from the 70s in that they didn't just do, considering that there was, there'd been nothing really very interesting before that on in football kit design, that they actually didn't just move it on a bit, but they just went completely to the other end of the scale to the point where you had a kit whereby the the whatever was on the shirt then continued down onto the shorts as well, which is a really unbelievably sort of revolutionary thing, I think. You know, the, the tram lines themselves in this case going actually through from the shirt onto the shorts was um, really forward-thinking and, and quite a, uh, a, an out-of-this-world kind of approach, to be honest. And um, even that, I mean, whether it's tram lines or any other kind of design aspects, as you say, nobody's nobody's really done it since. And occasionally, like the, was it the uh, Brighton who had the um, the Tesco carrier bag kit, I think, was uh, oh, one yeah. of So th- with that, they carried on the stripes onto the shorts, and it got ridiculed, which perhaps um, undoes my theory about <laughs> why we I, I suppose it, it depends on, on the, the degree of, of stuff that carries onto the shorts. I think with Brighton's mm. one, it was it was literally like a, a sort of walking migraine. Um, <laughs> walking barcode. Yeah, but um, <laughs> but the, the things with the Admiral ones is that, because it was just that simple tram line, it just... Mm. But, it did look really classy. Uh, I mean, the interesting thing with Admiral is, like I say, because I'd always viewed them as a very sort of cheap and nasty and out, you know, old-fashioned kit designer, um, having come to them, you know, too late, so to speak. Um, I think it was John Devlin on the True Colors website, um, probably about a year ago, did a whole um, article on Admiral's kit designs. Yes, that's it was right. Fantastic. That, yeah. yeah, it was fantastic because I got to see for the first time. The, like you've said, the, the innovation that they used and the sheer range of designs that they did, considering they only sort of really went from the sort of late 70s to the sort of, you know, mid 80s at that. So it was a very short period of time. And they, mm. the amount of fantastic designs that they had, and, and again, designs that nobody seems to have picked up again, they no. just seem to have been consigned to history. Well, considering the, 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 this is very much the era when retro kits just come and go on a regular basis um you'd think somebody even as you said earlier on another manufacturer would kind of do a little kind of tribute and kind of pinch the idea a bit but um strangely not um but i mean one thing actually i'll just say of final point on the on the coventry tram lines kit by admiral is that obviously you had the sky blue one which was beautiful uh the uh the original was beautiful um but away from home of course you had the classic brown one yes we have to do the you know the the, the mention of the brown kit um all right not to everybody's taste and yes perhaps a figure of a lot of people's comedy uh you know at the time but even even the use of brown as a color i think that was a reflection on, on admiral's ability to just do something different that other people wouldn't have thought of i mean why not use brown as a as a color on the palette because especially if you market it in the right way i mean probably they didn't at the time but if they'd have marketed it as chocolate or something then probably it would have been completely okay even to this day but um but 
why not use brown? It's been done. It's been done on a few occasions since. I think um, Tottenham had a brown away kit. I think a few years back, and so um, there was that. But the one I loved, got to say, was um, the red away kit that they had with that tram lines thing. There's if you anybody who's been listening, uh, sorry, anybody who's been watching rather the uh, ITV4 big match revisited reruns, <laughs> many of them there have been, has to be said, um, then you might have seen on the, that night, well, I think was it the 78-79 season they covered, uh, there's a couple of times you see Coventry on there wearing that red tramlines kit, and I think that just looks absolutely sensational, it's really wonderful, and I, I'm not, I might be misremembering this, but was there a yellow one as well? I can't remember, I might, that might just be uh, me. I don't think it was, I'm not sure if it was Coventry, but someone had a yellow one, but then actually, no, I yeah. think we might have done. I don't know if it was like a fourth kit or something, but yeah. there was de- there definitely was a yellow version of it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I, either. I'm kind of, and I've been looking at a lot of sub, Subutio wall charts recently for the uh, for the football attic. I might be starting to imagine things, but um, but anyway, those those kits, the the sky blue, the brown, the red, absolutely beautiful. Um, and of course, in the seventies, there are also lots of other things uh, going on kit wise. I mean, that was the the late seventies was really when we started to see these rash of company logos uh, running all over the sleeves and the shoulders and on the shorts, um, and Admiral again were <laughs> kind of uh, proponents of that. Sorry, Admiral, but um, there we are. I think a lot of people at the time thought it was a, a real, um, I don't know, it was, a, it was a bad move in some way because it was just rampant commercialism. But again, looking through our kind of retro eyes here, I think it's just it, it just makes me laugh actually just seeing so many admiral logos or i think also umbro did the whole thing of having their diamond running down the sleeves and everything um it's it's just it was just nice you can see that the 70s were a period when creativity was allowed to go as far as it wanted to really with the uh say when it got to the talbot uh kit perhaps it was, it was officially stamped on a bit but um but uh, yeah in the 70s other other good kits from the period that i've picked out uh the birmingham penguin kit that was a good one with the big white stripe down the middle um i remember the luton kits luton had a like an all-white kit with like an orange big orange stripe down one side again that's that's sorry go on i was gonna say actually yeah that that was one of the, the, the very good kits that um, they did. But, and actually, yeah. Luton's kit this season is the reverse of that. Because Luton are now, yes. they flip their colours. So their orange is their orange. home. And yeah. they have that stripe down the side. And it does look really good. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Particularly Admiral, they had this um, thing I was going to mention earlier on, actually. The Aberdeen kit um, from the mid to late 70s. Was like a, it was, the, the shirt was red and it had about three or four, maybe even five actually at one point, um, white stripes going down one side of the, of the shirt, not on the other side. Now, in, in football kit design, as with a lot of things, you find that you get balance. So if there's, a, shirt, if there's a, sorry, a stripe going down one sleeve, then that stripe will be on the other sleeve as well. But Admiral just had this thing of, you know, let's just have an asymmetrical design. Let's just have the stripes only going down one side. And the Luton kit was like that as well. It had uh, it wasn't several stripes. It was just um, like a big orange band with a flanked by sort of thinner navy blue stripes. And um, and here again we can back up the theory that other companies nick ideas of each other. Um, straight after that, Adidas did the Luton kit, and they just um, instead of having one big thick orange stripe, they had lots of little. Uh, orange and navy blue ones to replace it so they were kind of paying homage to the admiral design you might say um so the, the luton kits were good and the other one i remember from the 70s is the middlesbrough kit which was sort of all red and then they had the white um, band across the middle horizontal band going across the middle of the shirt and the reason i remember that is because the only 
football team that I've ever played for in any kind of formal capacity was the junior school second team. That's the limit I got to, listeners. And um, the thing was in our area where I grew up is that all the schools in the local area had different kits, but they were all based on football league teams if that makes sense so one i think our our kit was the blackpool kit we had orange shirts and white shorts but our biggest victory that we had while i was in the team it was a nine nil win over a school called manor manor junior school it was called and their kit was the middlesbrough kit this red one with the white stripe across the middle the the band across the middle and uh, so for uh, forever that will always kind of have that connection but uh, but that was quite a nice kit in a in a retro style they have um, gone back to to having that i think even the middlesbrough kit this season i think has got a kind of a white stripe across the middle of the shirt so um a very versatile design indeed um and then of course sorry go on i was going to say talking of um, playing for schools um when i when i so my, my very brief footballing career because I wasn't that good um, when I played for McLaughlin House B team um, at Woodland <laughs> School um, and I think our best ever match I think we had like a 7-1 victory over I think it was Stringer House um, and anyone from Stringer listening you know ah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I scored a hat-trick in that as well although oh. I did I did manage to spoon a penalty incredibly badly I don't think it even hit the corner flag it was so bad um, ah, Jeff Thomas but, where are you exactly yeah but the kit that we had was red with pinstripes Ooh, well that, that so there that brings us on neatly to the 80s then um, the it was 80. almost like you read the script yeah, <laughs> that's um, the kind of that's the kind of smooth links you get at four in the morning, Chris. Oh yes, I tell you what. If you were completely wide awake, we'd be in big trouble. Um, <laughs> um, but by the way, my team was uh, my school was Thamesview Junior School. I just wanted to ma- mention that as a blatant plug. Um, I doubt that there's anybody listening from Thamesview Junior School, but anyway, moving on. Um, so yeah, so the eighties, you get the pinstripes coming in. Now I always thought that that was Adidas that created it and then copied latterly by Umbro. Right, now, before Umbro's lawyers start getting involved, um, I've just checked today, and it seems that I think Umbro did bring out a pinstripe kit in the same year, the 81-82 season. They had a Leeds kit, which had yellow and blue pinstripes. So I'm not sure who copied who, um, but it's just interesting. I thought that at the time, you, it was predominantly Adidas that sort of trolled out this, uh, uh, trotted out this, this design, and then um, sort of Umbro and various other companies sort of followed it in... in, in um, Suit uh, in following the suit. Sorry, get stuck in my words. Um, but yeah, there were lots of these pinstripe kits around. Obviously, the Norwich one, as I mentioned earlier on, Liverpool was an Umbro one, um, but also Ipswich and Nottingham Forest, and just loads and loads of teams had the uh, had the, uh, the the pinstripes and very nice. I thought they looked too, just a real kind of leap forward in in design. Um, and then of course you get to the late eighties, and then it's all kind of shadow patterns start coming in. Uh, one of which you mentioned earlier on, I think, was it Liverpool you mentioned, or was I just imagining that? Uh, it was uh, actually Liverpool's um, eighty six eighty seven kit was one uh, no prior to candy. Prior to that, uh, it yeah. was the the one they had before the the last of the crown paints ones, mm. um, the yes, one with the V neck, not the one with the round neck, obviously. Uh, <laughs> although both had the same shadow print. Uh, God, we've gone into <laughs> geek territory here, um, <laughs> but yeah, the the mid eighties were great for shadow patterns. I mean, I, I mean, actually combining that with templates as well. Uh, if you mm. look at um, Man United. Uh, I think it was 86, 87 they had uh, the home kit the away kit and the third kit was just the same kit yes. but with with a different colour and mm. you often got that a lot you know. And, but I, I, I quite like that actually I quite like the um, the yeah. idea of having the same 
kit design but in different colours yeah me um, too because I think I, I suppose the point is it's that's never really going to happen again these days, is it? Because no. no one would ever release a you know a home kit that's the identical to the away kit <laughs> apart from the colour. Yeah. that's just too too. That's Narrow just going to sit with the marketing boys, is it? <laughs> no, indeed. I mean, I was going to ask you actually about the templates, uh, the, the the whole thing about template kits, because a lot of people complain about them, especially when it's the start of a new season and all the new designs come out and you hear people on Twitter sort of going, oh, we've just got the same kit as some other team, but it's just in a different colour. But in my view, um, I think as long as the design is very strong and also not um, replicated far and wide too far, um, I think it's fine. Because there was uh, one one example um, was, oh, I don't know if it was the 2010 World Cup when... Puma brought out this design, which I'm sure everybody knows and has seen often in the ensuing period, which was like a like this diagonal um, shoulder panel, like a sloping panel. So you had the body of the shirt was in one colour, and then the panel, the shoulder panel, was in a contrasting colour. Um, and all the African teams that were signed up with Puma had different variations on that, you know, Cameroon or whatever, Ivory Coast, I don't know. Um, and that was a good design. I thought it was great. But the problem was that... It, Everybody seemed to wear it. I mean, whenever you turn the TV on, whether it was Premier League, you know, World Cup, whatever it was, Champions League, every it seemed like every other uh, team around the world seemed to have this kit. And I just thought that kind of detracted a little bit from it because you were just getting a bit fed up with seeing it everywhere. Whereas if it's if it's only trotted out to a few, you know, somewhat smaller pool of, of clubs, then that's that's not so bad. I think um, I think one point you made a second ago is that it, it depends a lot on the quality of the template. Mm. I mean, the the Puma template that came out the, the year after that, um, which I think had like two stripes on the shoulder, mm. um, and that was one of the best templates that I've ever seen because mm. loads of clubs had it, but it was combined in different ways. Like, I mean, it just very subtle ways. Like, you know, if uh, you'd have like two different colored stripes on the shoulder or, yeah. you know, another team would only have stripes on one shoulder and, and not on the other. And it was just, it, it looked, I mean, it was, it was really retro looking, <laughs> even though it wasn't actually based on a natural retro kit at all. Um, but it looked really classy as well. And, and like yes. I say, some, some kits had a collar with it. Some kits didn't. And it just seemed out of this really simple design, um, like a template kit that worked for so many different teams. I mean, it even worked with teams that um, you know have vertical stripes or something. Because I think yeah. Sheffield Wednesday yeah. had it as well. Yes. Um, <clears throat> and it it just shows that if you've got a good template, you can use it all over the place. But so long as it's versatile enough, it, yeah. it's not a problem. But I think, like you've said, I mean, I think my worst experience of templates was the '94 World Cup when everybody about I think I think it was over half the teams there um had their kits made by Adidas and it was yeah. the same design for everybody I think Argentina were the only ones that didn't have some variation of it and it, it was, was the one, the one with, the, with the kind of yeah the one with the Adidas stripes coming up the sides you know yeah, the big like, thick, oh. yeah yeah and it was just I remember that and just because I, I think I remember I think at the quarter final I think it was Sweden versus Romania and both Bulgaria, both yeah. teams uh, oh, I think, or you yeah. know, I think that certainly that was the, that was yeah. the semi. I think oh, that, was, yeah. that was the fourth place match. Actually, oh god, geek territory again. Um, but yeah, I remember <laughs> they were all wearing Sweden. it. Yeah, exactly. And it was they both te- both teams were wearing their away kit. And actually, this was one of the times when their home kits and the away kits was the same template but just different colours. Yes, and it was just it was so overused. And to me, it was a poor template in the first place because it was just too. It just looked like you know massive Adidas branding, and it was mm. a really boring design to start with. And and it was just when you suddenly, uh, like you said about the Africa kits, 
when they get combined in in a single tournament and you see them you know every day yeah. for like three or four weeks it just it it really becomes overload but yeah yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, here's an example, and I'm, we're probably going to now lose some of our loyal followers on on Twitter if nowhere else. Um, uh, we are the twins. If you're listening, this might be a good time to switch off. <laughs> what, Steve and Terry? <laughs> As I've rebranded them, since they like the rebrands. <laughs> um, the, the the current Everton kit, okay, it's a night. Okay, I think I'm right in saying it's a night kit, anyway. But it's um, basically they've got the the big white. Um, kind of blocky sort of cuffs, if, as it were, like a big white bottom of the on the on the sleeves, um, and it's it's fine. Don't get me wrong; I'm not sort of complaining. I'm not saying it's a terrible kit, but that template, which is also worn by Brazil, I mean, in their their version, obviously it's yellow with the big green blocks on the bottom of the cuffs. Um, I don't find that that's a particularly strong design. It's just like you know the the designers just decided to go early for lunch and just thought, well, that's that one knocked off quick, and and not much imagination has gone into it. So if it's if it's a good design, it's not too sort of hoard out everywhere. Dare I say around the world? Then I think um, no no problem with having that particular template kit design at all. Um, I do think that some people protest too much when it comes to their new new. Um, the club's new kits being launched, but anyway, that's for another matter, another another time to discuss that. Um, I mean, just one thing actually going back to the 80s, we were in the 80s. Um, that Talbot kit, I have to say, again, superb design, I mean, really forward thinking. Uh, it's just a shame, unfortunately, it didn't get seen by more people because it wasn't allowed to be shown on TV. But I was watching one of the old big match revisited um, the other day, uh, one of the ones from the 82 83 season, uh, which was very squarely in Talbot territory there. And, of course, um, ITV was showing Coventry wearing their um, TV alternative kit, you know, the one that they had to wear because they couldn't wear the Talbot one. And it, it looks, I'll be brutally honest, it looks kind of cheap. But what made me laugh about it, and I don't know if you've ever noticed this, um, actually, Rich, is that fundamentally what it was, for those of you who haven't seen it before, it was a sky blue shirt with these kind of white insets sort of cut into the side of the uh, of the shirt. So pale blue and white but when they turned round the backs of the shirts were white so depending on which way they were running up and down the pitch you kind of had like two different colors for the shirt at one way they were they looked like they were wearing white shirts and then they go the other way and they look like they were wearing sky blue it's a really kind of odd phenomenon really um but that's the only other thing any other observation i would make about that have you ever seen that before I've not, no. The only times I've ever seen it is in the True Colours books, which is obviously yeah. from the front only, so I had no idea the back was white. That's yeah, bizarre. <laughs> and they had these really kind of um, quite modern-looking numbers, actually. It looked like they'd been sort of printed off of a modern-day computer by comparison. So, uh, But um, anyway, again, the geek alert has gone off. Um, actually, the sirens. That, that sort of, um, as an offshoot, that, that kind of um, brings me on to one thing. Um, in terms of having the backs of shirts, what annoys me sometimes where you get designs where they've left a space for the number, mm. because obviously that's fine for what, for the players who are wearing it, but when you're buying a replica kit, unless you stick a number in that hole, yeah. it just looks a mess. I remember, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had a, a Coventry kit from, I think it was 97, 98, which was uh, the last of the Lecoq Sportif ones that we had, mm. and it was a fairly sort of garish design to start with but it had a big circle on the back which was a shaded circle as well mm-hmm. and it was where the numbers went and obviously I didn't have a number on mine so it just looked really bizarre and I yeah. remember there was a Newcastle kit a while ago which had like a big shield shape in it oh yes that's right and yeah. it's just like again if you've got no number in it it just looks ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good observation actually yeah I've seen that kind of thing before and it's like yeah fine if you want to 
print a number on the back, but I don't want to put a number on the back. Uh, dear. Um, anyway, we must uh, rattle on. We're r- running out of time predictably, but um, just as a final point on the 80s, we were talking about all the pinstripes. Of course, one thing we shouldn't forget is that a lot of teams had kits which um, uh, where, where the pinstripe um, idea was then developed. You then started getting horizontal pinstripes and diagonal pinstripes and um, also like a diamond shape. In the case of Chelsea's uh, what I call the Commodore kit that they had uh, in the 80s, uh, about mid-80s I think it was, they had this kind of blue shirt with white pinstripe diamonds all over it which was quite fetching at the time I seem to remember but um that anyway was, that was 88 that was was it 88 yeah it says <clears throat> kit nerd over here <laughs> good grief yeah and Man City had a version of it as well it's John Devlin isn't it come on own up I'm talking to John Devlin <laughs> yeah I'm not that knowledgeable I just buy them <laughs> um and then of course you get into the 90s and the one thing actually um almost kind of coming up to to the present day really but the 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 brief i think it was only one season that i liked at the start of the 1990s was when umbro brought out these retro style kits and we're not just talking retro from say a decade before but they were designed to look like kits from like the early 1900s in some cases you had these lace-up collars and like a big on the aston villa kit which i particularly liked this kind of big um round yoke around the kind of uh shoulders and everything and some of those i kids, hated that kit did you? <laughs> I, I, I thought it was it. it was a mess also but i also hated it because as like you i used to draw kits as a as a, mm-hmm. a child yeah. um and one of the designs that i came up with about three years before that was a lace-up collar exactly in mm-hmm. the style of the kind of 1900 shirt so when umbro came along and did it I was not happy. I I tried, (laughs) but it turns out that an an 11 year old trying to sue a company isn't really going to work very well. No. Especially especially when you have no idea that you can sue them in the first place. (laughs) And actually, to be honest, honest, my parents were more concerned that Umbro representatives had been coming around our house in the night (laughs) and stealing my designs than than any kind of legal precedent. (laughs) You wonder what that long lens of the camera was sticking through the window (laughs) here. Uh, it wasn't a lens. <laughs> oh, now then, on. now then. Sorry. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. It's got very hot in here all of a sudden. Anyway, actually, uh, before we move on, I just wanted to make one uh, point about kit templates, hmm. uh, and that was that the template that Coventry have got this year is one that again uh, Puma are using quite a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the other teams that have got it is Cardiff. That's right. Um, and of course, Cardiff have used that template, but they've just changed the colour, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, that's uh, one way of doing it. And there goes our Cardiff listenership. <laughs> uh, well, um, if you're our last remaining listener, then uh, turn the light off on your way out. Just, uh, just, to, just to stress at this point, I don't agree with the rebrand principles at all, and have discussed this at length on Twitter myself. Mm, I know. Yes, as as football attic representative on Twitter, you've done a grand job, I must say. <clears throat> dear um, well, final word on the 1990s um, for me personally as a West Ham fan, one kit design that I liked, I know a lot of people didn't uh, was the one made by Pony, another template, and it was the one with the big V kind of chevron um, which I thought was a kind of modern update of the old Admiral chevrons design that West Ham had uh, in the mid to late 70s actually, and um, I know Southampton had that, it didn't quite look so good in my view, the, with the red and white stripes and this big red V um, on the top of it, but um, I quite liked it in a West Ham perspective, and I bought that shirt on site when I first saw it. I remember I was on holiday somewhere, and uh, popped into some shopping arcade, and there it was in the window. I thought, gotta have that. That was amazing. Uh, unfortunately, See, a lot again, of... Again, 
Sorry, Sorry. Chris. No, I was just going to say, unfortunately, a lot of people then said, oh, that V, it's pointing in the direction that West Ham travelled generally in the table. But anyway, that's just... Uh, <laughs> I was just going to say, again, sim- uh, similarly, I couldn't stand that kit. <laughs> um, and especially the Southampton one. The Southampton one was a mess. But we, um, Coventry also had Pony in the 90s as well, and I that's just right. thought their kits were awful. <laughs> I just I, the, the first one we had, funnily enough, the first one they did was a kind of... Um, it was very similar to the one we had last season for the sort of retro 60s look but it just mm. I don't know I didn't like the shade it kind of reminded me of a kind of really insipid light blue and, and then we had the green and black one for the away kit oh, which again yes. we had last season which I liked mm. but I didn't like it when Pony made it and then I think the season afterwards the away kit was purple and yellow or something oh horrendous. yes oh, although yeah. I did own that because I bought it for a tenner <laughs> near the end of the season or something <laughs> and then would. We, <laughs> yeah, but then we we got um, Lecoq Sportif in, and they came mm. out with it at the time an incredibly radical shirt because it was like a big um, navy blue stripe down the middle, mm. um, and then two sky blue stripes on the side. Oh, but yes. it's basically like yeah. really thick navy and sky blue stripes, and I really liked that at the time. Yes. But it's again seems to I seem to be completely out of step with most other Coventry fans because <laughs> most people uh, most Coventry fans didn't really like the Hummel kit, and I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. And again, similarly, I really like the Lecoq Sportif ones, and most of the Coventry fans seem to hate it. <laughs> I thought it was just me that was always out of step with uh, with everybody else, but uh, oh well, we, we share that in common then, I suppose. But um, now I remember that one actually. Yeah, the one you said, the navy blue and light blue. That was very nice actually. Uh, Subaru, wasn't it, on that one? It was, yes. <clears throat> there you go. Good times. Yeah. <laughs> who, who, got, who got knocked out unjustly in the greatest shirt sponsor ever tournament? Oh, yes. Which which we'll be mentioning shortly, actually. Um, Indeed. In fact, it'll be coming to a close probably by the time this is released, actually. <laughs> yeah, you'll know who won, probably. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, so that's, that's kind of like a, a general overview. We won't bother going into the 2000s because it's kind of quite recent and we are, uh, if nothing else, great advocates of football retro uh, stuff rather than kind of modern day stuff, but in but pop quiz just to, just to you know pay pay lip service to modern day kits. Uh, Man U's gingham kit, uh, good or bad? Horrendous. Thought so. Yes, that agrees with me. Absolutely awful. Yes, thought as much. That's that's pretty much my view too. Um, just uh, good to get that uh, sorted out. Um, right. Um, <laughs> Actually, I was going to say one last thing. Yeah. Um, in terms of, because uh, obviously Umbro have sort of cornered the market recently in retro-looking kits, and, mm-hmm. and some of the kits they've come up with in recent years have been fantastic. Obviously, sadly, they no longer exist and have been mm. subsumed by Nike. Um, mm-hmm. But I kind of wonder how far they could have gone with that, because once you kind of set the bar so far back in time, you know, with the with the England kit and with the Man City kit, which was so 60s, it was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Where do you go from that point? Because then any design, I mean, you've literally released what is, a, you know, a modern classic design. Yes. And then at that point, where do you go from there? Because yeah, that's, it's... That's, that's cross-modern as well, yeah. I think they've done quite well. I, d- I wasn't so keen on last year's Man City one with the kind of that music graph thing on it. Um, mm. But I think this, this season's really nice. But it, it does kind of almost drag you down an alley that you can't really do a u-turn out of because no. it's you either you can't keep going retro because you, you you've done the retro so you can't mm. do that again so how do you then drag it back to you then suddenly go ultra modern or something and go or maybe go back to the early 90s and have a really horrendous kit 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just thinking, like, yeah, as you say, what's what's the next step? Do you have to kind of invent some some period in history that never existed? Or, you know, a, a kind of retro kit that it looks retro but never actually existed at any point in the past. Maybe that's the next step. I don't know, but um, yeah, it's a bit of an odd one. That I would uh, also say on the on the whole um, thing about uh, reheating old ideas. Uh, obviously, there are a couple of teams in the Premier League this season, uh, Fulham and Southampton, that are wearing pinstripes, but for some reason, it just doesn't look right i mean as someone speaking for myself as someone who's a great fan of the old uh like the adidas uh pinstripes of them from the early 80s and all of that at the time i thought it was fantastic but now whenever a team uh brings out a new kit in a retro style with pinstripes it just doesn't seem to look convincing to me it looks a bit crap frankly sorry fulham and southampton fans we can tick you off the list as well now <laughs> actually i really like the fulham one other but i don't hmm. like the southampton one not necessarily because of the pinstripes but just because of the, the complete abandoning of their red and white stripes. Yeah, it's just, I agree. But again, referencing We Are The Twins, who predictably love that kit. You know, <laughs> history, history is nothing to those boys. You know? <laughs> but, but, but then they are 12 or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. What do they Good know? Old Steve, Steve and Terry. Going to kill us after this. Yeah, I know. They're going to disown us now. Um, but actually, just uh, by way of um, trying to get back on their good side again, we now come to the point. We did actually put out a, a very last-minute um, message on Twitter just shortly before we recorded this, asking if anybody had any kits that they particularly remember. And um, We Are The Twins uh, did actually pick pick out uh, somewhat predictably an Everton kit but uh, a very good one though is the one they said uh, from 83-84 the European Cup Winners Cup kit a lot of people remember I'm sure it's uh, essentially a blue shirt with like a, a solid white V below the neck and it was uh, as they co- quite correctly said it was um, brought back in a retro style for the 2009-2010 season so uh, and that was a good one I have to admit although I, as I said on Twitter just a, a short while ago I personally preferred the one with the big white shoulder panel the bib i think you referred to it as yeah and again, sim- <laughs> again similarly i i quite liked that one and and actually that was one of the first kits that sort of really confused me because i remember gary lineker wearing that in yeah. the 85 86 season and then the next year he wasn't wearing it well yeah. apart from the fact that he'd actually gone to barcelona so that's why he wasn't wearing it yeah. but like the everton team weren't wearing it i was like uh what 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 why why are they not wearing that kit anymore? And that's like kind of when you start to realise that oh, hang on, teams change kits. Yeah. You know, because when you first get into football, it's just like oh, that's the team's kit, and then all of a sudden it's like oh, they've changed it. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the world of commercial production. Uh, this football thing is confusing. <laughs> um, actually, I uh, some somebody mentioned earlier on the Everton kit from I think it must have been around about 1989. And I remember being quite disappointed when that came out because they, I think they played in the uh, the FA Cup final that year wearing this new kit for the first time. And it was the first time that they hadn't worn the one that I mentioned a moment ago with the big white shoulder panel. And I remember thinking, oh, I, but I preferred the old kit. Don't, 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 don't wear that. Just go back to the dressing room and put the old kit back on. That's much better. But um, again, <laughs> a harsh lesson in uh, you know how quickly uh, clubs and the teams generally just um, disown various designs and far too quickly in a lot of cases um chris lines from narrow the angle hello chris um you gave us a few examples of kits you liked um vitess arnhem with their yellow and black stripes and their white shorts um partic thistle with their red and yellow stripes and black shorts and milan with their red and black stripes and white shorts um i think the theme that you can see there is basically stripes but with a kind of contrasting color colored pair of shorts which is as i said to chris earlier on is a is a winning combination every single time so um three good choices there um lee barryman 
went for the Talbot kit, the Coventry City Talbot kit, a very classic uh, design, as we've said, and uh, good choice. And uh, William Abbs, hello, William. Uh, he said he had a bit of a thing for the Man United away kit, the blue one from the early 90s, uh, with a big skewed Man United crest on it, he said, which made it look a bit like a shell suit. I um, like that one as well. That was a good kit, that was. But it yeah. did look like a shell suit. <laughs> but at the time, absolutely perfect. Uh, so uh, thank you, everyone, for your, for your message. And if you were a bit too late to, to respond to us and frankly that probably counts for most of you do uh, get in touch with us we'll tell you in a moment how you can get in touch and send us your favorite uh, designs tell us about your favorite kit designs and indeed uh, anything else you want to pull out our, our coattails about if you want to tell us about so um, there we are and we, we haven't even scratched the surface of everything we were going to discuss here um, but uh, needless to say that probably in a future podcast we'll be talking about football kit design and um, picking out some of the stuff that we didn't get time for today so uh, never fear this isn't the be all and end all of that particular discussion uh, but um, anyway yes Rich I think we're, we're almost out of time uh, just to say um, what, what, what have we got coming up on the on the blog site in the near future I suppose we've got around about this time in 24 hours we'll know who the winner of the greatest shirt sponsor is <laughs> I think we all know who it is already, anyway. <laughs> yes. Mm. Sorry, Newcastle fans. Sorry. Uh, yeah. What can we, what can uh, we tell you? For those of you who aren't aware, yes, the, the final is uh, coming to an end as we speak. Only a matter of hours left. And um, it's between Newcastle Brownell or Newcastle Breweries um, against Wang. Wang Computers. Your, your favourite, Chris. <laughs> I don't mind Wang. It's just that obviously everybody hijacks it for comedy purposes. And that wasn't really the kind of reason why we did this. But, you know, hey, if people like it for that reason, I, who are we to, to tell them otherwise? Comedy value? I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> ah, dear. But um, with 2013 just around the corner, I suppose um, it's going to be uh, League of Blogs time again soon. So that's uh, something to look forward to. And uh, also a whole host of other stuff that we're going to be writing about over at uh, the Football Attic blog site, you can be sure of. Uh, so we hope you'll uh, pay us a visit uh, once or indeed uh, you know, much more often than that, uh, if you can, during the course of the year. Um, if you're not aware by now of what this is all about, and frankly, you've done well to last this long, uh, it's www.thefootballattic.com. That's where you'll find our blog site. Lots of great articles written on there, not only by myself and Rich, but also a whole raft of wonderful uh, guest uh, writers. Lots of wonderful people have been doing great stuff for us during 2012, which we hope will continue. Um, you'll also find us on Twitter. We're uh, at football attic and uh, also if you go to facebook we're facebook.com forward slash the football attic uh you can't fail to miss us we're kind of ubiquitous these days i'm sorry to say um and anyway. we're, we're actually a, we're, we've got about 14 more people to go before we hit a thousand followers on twitter oh brilliant another just thought, just thought i'd throw that in there <laughs> thank you twitter followers nice of you to to, to find us and uh, and listen to our witterings uh yes anyway any last word rich before we go I don't think so. I think uh, I'm just, I've am just i got to work out what on earth I'm going to write about things. I haven't actually written a proper article for about two months now. But <laughs> as of uh, this morning, I bought um, two Daily Mirror sticker albums. So I might, I might well go through those. Brilliant stuff. I look forward to that. You can see who does old donkey work on this website, can't you, uh, ladies and gentlemen? Yes. I, I get no thanks for it, but, uh, you know, hey, what can I tell you? I do uh, call you donkey, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've noticed that. Please stop doing that. Uh, anyway. There it is. Uh, thanks very much indeed for listening. We hope that that's uh, jogged uh, your memory banks and brought back some happy memories of football kit design. And as I say, if you've got uh, anything you want to tell us about, some of your favourite football kit memories, get in touch. But for the time being, until podcast number four, it's goodbye from myself and goodbye from Rich. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.